Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This, this is, is the, the gate, gate of the Lord. Lord. The 
the righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes.
God, for every evidence of your love made known to our hearts through the love that death could not conquer. Glory be to you, O Christ, for the first witnesses to your resurrection, who trembled as still we do at the thought that this could be true. Glory be to you, O Holy Spirit, for your wisdom waiting in the words of Scripture to be discovered and dared. Glory be to you, three-personed God, who has gathered us into the community that you are, so that together we may shout our alleluias in the name of him who has given us the victory. Grace and peace to you and welcome to the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia on this Easter Sunday. We are glad and grateful to gather in the name of the Lord, to gather in the Lord's house. And because it is in the name of Christ that we gather, that means that our word of welcome is one that is extended with no qualifying adjectives whatsoever attached to it. All are welcome in God's house and all are welcome here at the First Presbyterian Church. We do ask everyone, members and guests alike, kindly to sign the friendship pad. You will see that on your pew. If you will send it, sign it, send it down the pew and back again, we will have the advantage of each other's names at the conclusion of this service. We'd also be delighted if after worship is over, you would join for a time of fellowship in Old Buttonwood Hall, which is just out this door to my right, down a short ramp. There you will find that our deacons have prepared light refreshments, but most importantly, you will find the opportunity for us to engage more deeply with one another in our common life together. As always, you can check our church website for details of the programmatic life of First Church. I commend that to you. I would like to make one note about this morning's worship service. Communion will be served by intinction. You will come forward by way of the aisles, take a piece of bread, and dip it in the cup in order to receive communion. If you require gluten-free bread, just indicate that to the servers. There is some on the plate. They'll point you toward it. Very good. All of these things noted, let us now continue our worship with our confession of sin. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. Let us therefore with confidence confess our sins, first together and then in silence. Let us pray. We are an Easter people, and Alleluia is our song, O God. Remind us of our baptism as we prepare to come to your table. Remind us of your freely given grace because we stand in need of your forgiveness. Our shouts about empty tombs are short-lived. We have rolled the stone back over the door. We are sinners in need of grace. We know that we have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, strength, and soul and we know we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. Forgive us, we pray. Restore to us the knowledge of the empty tomb and good news of the resurrection, for we ask it in the name of our risen Savior, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hear the promise of the gospel. 
Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore I declare unto you that in him and in his resurrection our sins are forgiven. Believe the promise of the gospel. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. The epistle lesson for this Easter Sunday is from Paul's letter to the Colossians. With the help of the Holy Spirit, listen in these words for God's word to us this day. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson is taken from the 28th chapter of Matthew, the first 10 verses. Continue to listen for the word of God to us this day. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as slow, snow. For fear of him, the guard shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead, and is, indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty, eternal God, grant now that the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts may be acceptable, even pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. 
there are certain occasions that demand certain words. It is in no way unreasonable that a worshiper in any Christian church on Easter Sunday should expect to hear the words of the resurrection. From ancient times, Christos Aneste, he is not here, he is risen. Our Lamb has conquered, let us follow him. We have been buried with Christ into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead, so we too might walk in newness of life. Victor Hugo cut straight to the marrow when he wrote, When I go to the grave, I can say, as others have said, My work is done, but I cannot say, My life is done. My work will recommence the next morning. The tomb is not a blind alley. It is a thoroughfare. It closes upon the twilight, but it opens upon the dawn. We believe against any evidence to the contrary in the resurrection of the body. And this is, I hope, a word of utmost comfort because even the happiest, best-lived life is punctuated by moments of sadness and bereavement, and the promise of Christian faith is that the worst moments of life never need define it. We are children of the resurrection, awakened to eternal life. So, now what? We have options here. We could go on with life as we know it, get on with our business knowing full well that we can come back here or to any other Christian church around the same time next year, give or take a week or two based on the phase of the moon, and receive the exact same assurance. The grave is a thoroughfare. Death does not have the final word. We are awakened to eternal life. That's good news. Good news. It should certainly shape us. One does not just blithely breeze past such words, I hope. Words like eternity have deep meaning. They are freighted with all our hopes and dreams. And when we add to that eternal life, we're getting into very deep water theologically. Because just what is eternal life? Well, it is not, among other things, flopping about on clouds playing harps. Although, one of my favorite far side cartoons is a, a split panel. On the upper panel, you have an angel welcoming a soul to heaven, saying, welcome to heaven, here is your harp. And on the lower panel, you have a, a, a devil welcoming a soul to the other place, saying, Welcome to hell, here is your accordion. <laughs> Eternal life runs deeper than that. Frederick Buechner reminds, reminds us of this in a well-worn quotation. We think of eternal life, if we think of it at all, as what happens when life ends. We would do better to think of it as what happens when life begins. He goes on. So 
Sometimes an event occurs in our lives, a birth, a death, a marriage, some event of unusual beauty, pain, joy, through which we catch a glimpse of what our lives are all about and maybe even what life itself is all about. And this glimpse of what it's all about involves not just the present, but the past and the future too. Inhabitants of time that we are, we stand on such occasions with one foot in eternity. God, as Isaiah says, inhabiteth eternity, but stands with one foot in time. That part of time where God stands most particularly is Christ. And thus, in Christ, we catch a glimpse of what eternity is all about, what God is all about, and perhaps what we ourselves are all about, too. All of which is to say that eternal life is going on right now. Right in the midst of your life and mine, right in the midst of our common life together. On Easter Sunday, as children of the resurrection, we are awakened to the reality of eternal life. And if eternal life is going on right now, all around us, simply waiting for us to notice it, well, it seems to me we might want to do something about the quality of that eternity. If it is true that the cross reveals the depth and width of human sin, then it is also true that the resurrection demonstrates the deliberate will of God to restore what is broken. The resurrection is God's deliberate act of restorative justice. And if God has chosen in human history to be known in deliberate acts of restorative justice, so we who are awakened to the resurrection are called to work alongside God in the restoration of the world. Or as the prophet says, to be repairers of the breach. That is rather a large task if we consider it, and so I would encourage us not to let the perfect be the enemy of the good. God alone is perfect. Our endeavors should strive for goodness. Do not shy from doing good just because it cannot be perfect. Many years ago, the late Peter Gomes said almost exactly that in a rather acerbic baccalaureate address to the class of 2004 at Harvard University titled, Doing What You Can. In short order, he disabused the graduating seniors of any pride in being outstanding, preaching to them, when all is said and done, however, perhaps it can be said of your Harvard career just amongst ourselves, as Tallulah Bankhead once said of a ubiquitous and obnoxious friend, there is less here than meets the eye. Way down deep, she is basically very shallow. After throwing a few more rhetorical punches around the theme of climbing the greasy pole to giddy success, Professor Gomes came to his point. Most of you will be called on to live faithfully a hidden life and rest in unvisited tombs. Real life consists of doing ordinary and mundane things 
as well as you can do them. And of ordinary citizens doing necessary things faithfully and well, the world can never have enough. He concludes, I am sick to death of the perennial calls at this time of the year for greatness, leadership, and excellence. It's not that I disapprove of those virtues, but in a hothouse like this one, they are a positive danger to those more ordinary qualities of fidelity, goodness, and wisdom without which the world could not function. Doing what you can is all that worthwhile living is about. So for God's sake, and your own, get on with it. You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. So much of life is ordinary. Indeed, the church calls a certain number of Sundays in our year ordinary time, not because they are mundane, but because they are repetitions. As these days pass, they can be counted by ordinal numbers. A great deal of life can be reasonably expected to pass in predictable form. And yet, if the time we are passing by with the repetitions of life as we love it exists, within God's eternity, it should hardly be considered mundane. If we are awakened to the resurrection, those moments of doing what we can are the basis for the transformation of that very eternity. On this day of resurrection, it is all too easy to say, go and get on with it, as if there won't be plenty of chances to mess it up. There will be. I can assure you. But do it anyway. Seek the good. And let God be in charge of the perfect. Because God is much better at perfection than we are. But there are so many distractions, aren't there? One minute we're talking about the resurrection. And the next thing we know, not a week later, it's tax day. And that's just one distraction. We wrap ourselves up in the resurrection as well. We should. We go from this place full of goodwill and hope. And if we had the misfortune of leaving our car radio tuned to the wrong station, distraction. Or maybe we've managed to make it all the way home. We didn't cuss at anybody along the way. And we accidentally left the television set on. Distraction. Or your child left the cap off the toothpaste. Distraction. Or socks on the living room floor. Distraction. The dirt dishes in the sink from last night's supper. Distraction. There are so many ways to distract ourselves from being awakened to the resurrection. And awakening to the resurrection means seeing the holy in our midst in the most ordinary of ways. Awakening to the resurrection is to see and to participate in those restorative acts that flow forth freely and unmeasured from God's restoration of justice in the resurrection. It is actively to engage in improving the quality of eternal life in which we are already living. Because if this is eternal life, 
I suspect there are one or two changes we might like to see. If this is eternity unfolding around us, well, the thoroughfares could stand a bit of improvement. Let me share a story about improving the thoroughfares. The late Henry Gibson, who died in 2019, spent the last years of his life presiding over Alabama's last juke joint. The Birmingham News wrote, for more than 60 years, the Bessemer juke joint has been part concert venue, part church, part fortress of gratitude. No matter what's going on in the outside world, be it widespread political turmoil or police sent to uphold city regulations, Gipps Place provides a stronghold every Saturday night for anyone that wants to join the party. And no one is ever turned away. The thing about the juke joint is the paradox that the blues is a joyful noise born of hardship. Doesn't that sound a lot like Christian faith? A joyful noise born of hardship. But what struck me about Gipps Place, Henry Gibson's labor of love for over 60 years, is that it mirrors the blues itself. It is a place of joy born out of an act of hate. In the Jim Crow South, when he was a young man, a white man passed him food, and a little white girl passed it between them. And in a story all too familiar to anyone willing to remember, Gibson was assaulted on the spot. His attacker stomped on his body and his hand, sending him to the hospital. The article said, though Gibson's physical wounds healed, the emotional wounds remained. All was not right with the world, especially the world he'd been born into. And this latest run-in was a cruel reminder of those injustices. Feeling detached from and unsatisfied by his situation, Gibson sought to create a refuge of sorts, where all people would be treated equally and accepted unconditionally. This saved my life, Gibson says because after I was stomped and blood was everywhere on account of some fools being deliberate, I decided that I would do some things. Let me find out why we can't come together and what better way to do it than with the blues. The resurrection is God's deliberate act of restoration to the injustice of the cross. It is a joyful noise born out of hardship, a joyful noise to transform eternity. And in our acts of deliberateness, God is at work as well. I love the way the interview with Henry Gibson ends. I don't know why he sent you here to want to make a recording, he says to the interviewer. But if I was to do that thing he said, and he said, turn no man away, and he means that today, turn no man away, for you may turn away your own angel, you might be my angel. Minutes later, the interviewer said, I stopped recording. 
and Gibson made his way to the stage to preach for a while before playing Amazing Grace on the harmonica to open the show. Saturday night didn't feel all that different from Sunday morning that weekend. We sang, we danced, we ate and drank. We came together just as he envisioned in 1952. And just like always, the invitation is open to all. So friends, may we do likewise. May the ordinary be suffused with the holy. May Saturday night not feel that different from Sunday morning, because after all, we are living in eternity. So be deliberate, be joyful, be awakened to the resurrection and to eternal life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
doing what we can, let us confess the faith of the Church and with astonishment begin to claim it as our own. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made human and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In response to the indescribable gift of eternal life, let us offer to God our lives, our tithes, and our offerings. You are invited to come forward at this time in the service of worship or at the end of the service and place your offering in the plates or to give as the congregation online.
Multiply these gifts by your grace, gracious Savior, that more and more we may become a people who practice resurrection, who seek eternal life in the ordinary, doing what we can to live as though death has been defeated by the love that never ends. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, this is the joyful feast of the Lord. And scripture says that people will come from east and west and north and south to sit at table with our risen Savior, who is even now the unseen host at this feast. We read from the pages of the gospel that it was at table when the disciples first recognized their Lord as he blessed the bread and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. Even still, Christ's disciples are invited to come to this table and to know him. He calls all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens to come to him and to receive rest. Dear friends, this is not a Presbyterian table. It does not belong to the church. It belongs to none other than Jesus Christ, who calls all and who calls you. Let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks and praise, eternal God, creator and ruler of the universe. At your word, the earth was made and spun on its course among the planets. Your hand formed us from the dust of the earth and set us among all your creatures to love and serve you. When we were unfaithful to you, you kept faith with us. 
your love remains steadfast. When we were slaves in Egypt, you broke the bonds of our oppression, brought us through the sea to freedom, and made covenant to be our God. By a pillar of fire, you led us through the desert to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. You spoke of love and justice in the prophets, and in the word made flesh, you lived among us, manifesting your glory. He died that we might live, and is risen to raise us to new life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the faithful of every time and place, who forever sing to the glory of your name. You are holy, O God of majesty, and blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, whom you sent to save us. He came with healing in his touch and was wounded for our sins. He came with mercy in his voice and was mocked as one despised. He came with peace in his heart and met with violence and death. By your power he broke free from the prison of the tomb and at his command the gates of hell were opened. The one who was dead now lives. The one who humbled himself is raised to rule over all creation, the lamb upon the throne. The one ascended on high is with us always as he promised. Remembering all your mighty and merciful acts, we take this bread and this wine from the gifts you have given us and celebrate with joy the redemption won for us in Jesus Christ. Accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, as a living and holy offering of ourselves, that our lives may proclaim the one crucified and risen. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Gracious God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us and upon these your gifts of bread and wine that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, that we may be one with all who have shared this feast, united in ministry in every place. As this bread is Christ's body for us, send us out to be the body of Christ in the world. 
Nourished at this table, O God, may we know Christ's redemptive love and live a new life in him. Help us who recognize our Lord in the breaking of bread to see and serve him in all whose lives are broken. Give us who are fed at his hand grace to share our bread with the hungry and with the hungry of heart. Keep us faithful in your service until Christ comes in final victory, and we shall feast with all your saints in the joy of your eternal realm. Through Christ, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, and with the Holy Spirit in the, in the Holy Church now and forever. And hear us now as together we pray as Christ taught us. Our, our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Savior took the bread. And when he had given thanks, as we have done in his name, he broke it. And said, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, after they had supped, he took the cup. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. For as often as you eat this bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let, Let us, us keep, keep the, the feast. feast.
Let us pray together once more. Eternal God, we thank you and we praise you that in love you have reached across the abyss of our sin to bring us once more into your loving embrace. Having thus been fed at Christ's table, send us now to be his body, to proclaim the great good news that he is risen. Amen.
Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. Now go and tell the others. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance on you and those you love and give you peace, both this day and forevermore. Amen.